Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. It's our weekly podcast at growingingrace.org. I'm Joel Brzezinski along with Mike Kapler. Thrilled again to be here uh, talking about God's wonderful mercy, grace, goodness, kindness, and we would uh, fall short in listing all of the uh, wonderful attributes of God. We could spend a whole podcast doing that, but we've got other things in mind for this week, so... How's uh, Mr. Kapler doing this week? <laughs> Good as always, Joel. I mean, look, life has its challenges, and, and things can be pretty frustrating and, and stressful, and we all go through that. But when it comes to um, where we're positioned in Christ, I, I've got that to fall back on, and that's, that's a good place to be. So we hope we can uh, bring some of that to you because, uh, you know, I, I really feel for people, and I, I've been in the boat it had a lot of holes in it. <laughs> and uh, I've been in that boat, though, where people are struggling to wonder where they stand with God. And that's just not a place for any believer in Christ to be, to wonder where you might stand positionally with God, because it usually comes back to, uh, you know, you feel like you failed, you feel like you're not doing enough. And that's, that's rough. That can be a very discouraging place to be. We're here to bring you some encouragement And we'll uh, pick up a little bit from where we left off uh, last week as we were talking about some things about the law and uh, compared to righteousness that comes through Christ. And let's take a closer look at this stuff. Yeah, and and just to echo and go along with what you're saying there is that if you are measuring yourself by the standard of the law, unless you are living your life perfectly, (laughs) you're going to find yourself, and and I think some symptoms that people really truly have in their life in Christ that they shouldn't have headaches, pain in their chest, tension in in various parts of their body, like their head or their chest or wherever, or depression, long periods and and bouts of guilt and self-condemnation. Those things don't belong in the life of Christ. Those things fit perfectly under the law. Because the law's ministry, as we've been talking about for the last week or two, was to bring guilt and condemnation, and was to tell people, you live perfectly or else. That was the law's job. But that's contrasted with what God did for us in Christ. What God did for us in Christ was to set us free. We're meant to be free. The law imputed trespasses, and what that means is that it counted people's sins against them. But God... According to uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And by the way, I just want to say, I'm not saying that there aren't other legitimate reasons why people have headaches and uh, chest pain and things like that. I'm just talking about the type of tension that a person has because they're bound up by legalism, by not understanding the difference between the Old Covenant and the Law and the New Covenant and the, the freedom that Jesus Christ has given us in that. Yeah, when, uh, when you're trying to do this thing right, you're trying to live it out, that in and of itself, trying to live it out, is not something you and I were designed for. We weren't created for that. Jesus was, and he did live it out. He fulfilled the law. He took our place. The perfection, the requirement demanded, Jesus met that requirement. 
And through that, we have been perfected in him. So because you and I aren't perfect, fortunately, we have one representing us who is perfect, and his name is Jesus Christ. And God's love for you and for everyone is so indescribable. I mean, God looks at at us, he looks at you, and regardless of what you've done wrong, and God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows every cobweb in the corner. He knows every skeleton in the closet. He knows everything, every thought, every intent. I mean, nothing is hidden from him. You're exposed. And yet, he, he, he looks at us and still says, I love you as you are. And I think we, we need to be able to grasp that because I, I sense the majority of us, even as Christians, have a hard time believing that God's love is what it is. Mm-hmm. He accepts you as you are. You're accepted in the beloved. You are accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, it's not because of anything that you've done. Like Cap was saying there, and that's a really good point, God knows everything about you. I think a lot of people deal with this where, you know, they know that they do some pretty good things in life. I'm an overall good person, but there are these skeletons in my closet, or there are these things that I do that I... I just keep doing them, or, you know, I've got this sin or these sins in my life that recur over and over again, and I can't seem to stop it. And so you end up basing your relationship with God based on those sins. But God's relationship with you is not based on those sins. If you were under the law, God's relationship with you would be based on those sins. (laughs) Your sin would be condemned by God. God would use the law in your life to condemn you, to make you guilty, and and all these other things that the law was meant to do. But God in Christ was reconciling you to himself, not counting your sins against you. He has set you free from the condemnation that comes from failing to keep the law, from failing to live perfectly before God. Again, let me just repeat this. If your relationship with God was based on the law— you'd be toast, because the law says, do this, do all of me. You had to keep all 613 laws or else, whereas Jesus Christ took your sin upon himself. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. There's a huge contrast there, and if you're basing your relationship with God on your sin or on the law, either way, you're doomed for failure. God said, I've got relief for you. I've got (laughs) something that will set you free, and that's my son, Jesus Christ. Well, there was a debt to be paid, and it was paid in full. Sometimes we think, oh, here, Lord, let me pick up the interest on that at least. I mean, it was a large debt, and it's the least I can do. I want to contribute something. We have a hard time accepting things for free sometimes when somebody's offering to give it to us. And there's just this pride thing that develops, and we just feel like we need to somehow help cover whatever the cost is. I mean, even if we were going out to eat, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go meet Jesus for lunch. And uh, now there's a little debt to pay because we just ate and there's a bill that they laid on the table. And Jesus says, here, I've got this covered. Well, at least let me get the tip, Lord. No, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm covering. I'm, I'm paying for everything here. It's on me. And that's what happened. Sin was poured upon him. He became sin for us and took on the penalty, paid the debt. We were talking before we came on, Joel, about several instances in the Bible, uh, including uh, the rich young ruler who, who thought he was keeping the commandments, 
Uh, and he asked the Lord, you know, how can I obtain eternal life? Well, keep the commandments. Jesus was ministering the law of guilt and condemnation, the law of Moses, the commandments. Do this, do that, do the other thing, and then you, you'll have life. But he said, well, wow, I've done all this stuff. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But he really wasn't feeling that good about himself because he said, what, what else What else do I need to do? <laughs> and that's just it. The law will always demand more. And your heart is going to recognize that. It did with the rich young ruler. Imagine thinking that you'd kept all the commandments and then ask the question, what else am I still lacking? And, and <laughs> Jesus told him, well, as long as you asked me. You started off with a law question, young man, and I gave you a law answer, and now you just did it again, so here you go. It, it wasn't good news. Sell everything you've got and come and follow me. I, he was trying to show the young man, you aren't keeping the law. Come follow me. So yes, the other side of the law coin the self-righteous side. A little bit ago, I was talking about the side of the coin where you just feel so guilty and so condemned. But there are other people who look at the law and they say, hey, look, God, look at how good I've been doing. I've kept all these commandments. And, and then like you were saying, Cap, with the rich young ruler, he said, well, what else do I lack? <laughs> I've kept all these things from my youth. And Jesus said, here's one more thing you still lack. Sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Uh, when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was rich. Now, a lot of people think that, well, he was just being stingy with his wealth, and, and they'll make a, a teaching about giving. They'll make this into a teaching about giving and, and generosity. But really, it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the fact that this rich young ruler thought that in and of himself, he was doing a pretty good job in front of God, uh, keeping these commandments. Well, in fact, in, in the story in Luke 18, the rich young ruler account is in three different books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in the Luke account, it says, when Jesus saw that, he became sorrowful. So when Jesus saw that the rich young ruler became sorrowful, Jesus became sorrowful. And I think it, his heart was going out to the guy. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, who, can, who then can be saved? Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And that really, right there, that's the point of the whole thing. Our deeds, when presented to God, no matter how good we think we've been, it's impossible to enter the kingdom of God with our deeds. But what's impossible for us is possible with God. That's what's so cool about this. You know, he'll, he'll imply that eh, it's almost impossible for this to happen, but then he'll kind of turn it around and say, hey, well, look, it is possible with me. And so that's cool. You know, we think about also the, the woman caught in, in the act of adultery, and we, we've talked about this story uh, numerous times, and, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it here right now. But the point I wanted to make was when the accusers all left one by one, they dropped their rocks. They did not stone her because of Jesus' masterful question or, or statement where he said, hey, if you, uh, if you haven't sinned, uh, you, you throw the first stone. He never took down the law, which is what they were trying to trap him into doing. But these people walked away, and it was just the woman and Jesus standing there, and he said, doesn't anybody condemn you? And she looks around. She sees nobody but him and her. And she said, can you imagine the relief? No. Nobody accuses me. Nobody condemns me. And Jesus said, I don't, I don't condemn you either. Now, now go and sin no more. This wasn't out of command like what he did with the rich young ruler and some others who were asking about eternal life. She wasn't even asking about it. 
He just said, I don't condemn you. Now, just don't sin anymore. I mean, don't, don't go out there and get caught in the kind of snare that you just got trapped in. Um, it's not good for you. If he had been doing that out of command, Joel, he would have actually enticed her to go out and do the wrong thing. That's what law would do. It would, it would always show somebody coming up short. What Jesus is doing in this instance is not demanding that she go out and sin anymore. That's going to be a good thing. But it wasn't out of command. He was uh, showing mercy and there's a big difference there between her and somebody like the rich young ruler. Yeah, exactly. Because um, you know Romans five twenty says that the law entered that sin might increase. That's what the law does. So Jesus didn't want her sin to increase. He wanted to set her free, and that's really what that was all about. He um, made sure that she knew that she wasn't condemned, and then he gave her a loving, kind, and compassionate word that hey, you're free from that. You don't have to do that anymore. Uh, now go and, and, and live a life where you're not doing that anymore, where you can be free of that. That's really what right. Christ does for us. He sets us free, not puts us under commands and laws. Well, coming up next week on Growing in Grace, taking a look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, is that just a nice story that's meant to tell us how we're supposed to be good to one another? Or was there more to it? You know, Jesus was having a conversation with somebody who asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life. So I do think there's more to it. We'll get into that then next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.